Welcome back to DMnastics, everyone, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. This might be a different voice than you're used to hearing, but I guarantee you that Jote Moniak is here, but I... Don't you worry. Yeah. No, no, I'm not worried at all, because I know I got my spotter, and I'm here to spot you, too. I am your dungeon maestro, Kyle Classic from the podcast, Bombarded, and I'm so fortunate to get to do the intro to this and uh, really bring the heat for this for this DMnastics. And as always, I am DM Neil, a.k.a. Jote Moniak. And what I find most interesting is that I can say that while they have not heard your voice, they have heard your tones in many of our episodes. That's right. Because you and the Bards over at Bombarded helped with our intro and outro music, um, which is so good. I listen to it. Every, I literally <laughs> will put it in. And listen to it again as I'm editing every episode. I had so much fun writing it and getting help from the other bards, like really getting it together. Uh, I remember the the inspiration for it was I saw this, I don't know if it was TikTok at this point or something else. I saw a video where somebody was like, I'm going to take a bunch of metal songs and make them major. And I was just like, yes, yes, I want to do that. That's what I want to uh, okay. do. So I was just like, let me just think of like, you know, some some metal riffs and flip it from minor to major. and. There you go. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, it hits that perfect because I feel like sometimes I chose music that was a little too heavy um, yeah. to hit the broader audience. But you definitely went from minor to major. And here we are. Well, I'm glad you like it. So today we are going to dive in to a major monster, a major villain. Yes. And we're going to talk about an article that came from The Gamer. And it is entitled Dungeons and Dragons. Ten things you didn't know about liches. <sighs> Love me a lich. So I guess my first question is, what was your first thought when I sent that over and you saw the title? Because like that's kind of the one of the goals about these exercises is to really break down like you get clickbaited, but what can you still get out of it? Mm -hmm. Or did you even get clickbaited or 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 so like what was your first thought? Uh, it was definitely an intriguing title. Definitely, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I always feel like there's a negative connotation to clickbait, but at the same time, like. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with getting on the line. Yeah. Yeah, especially if you're oh, yeah. interested. Um, but no, my first thing was I was like, okay, what what are what is going to challenge my preconceived notions about liches? And one thing that I was pleased to see in there is the question or you know, talking about the uh alignment of liches. I think it was number eight on there. They talk about how liches can be any alignment. And uh, I kind of explored this a little bit and bombarded and decided like a long time ago when I was working on Randy's story, I was just like, uh, you know, spoilers for anybody who hasn't listened, but uh, Randy has a stone inside of him that technically has two liches. It's like a phylactery fused together, um, which I am working on a backstory for, or I've worked on a backstory for that and try, you know, tried implementing it into the main story as much as is reasonable. But, you know, the idea that, you know, they went into this to be together as a couple, as a couple and, um, you know, one is not necessarily evil, but the other is and how like it kind of how they can get turned by their uh, by their time spent. And also, of course, the ritual, which it goes. This article really is really well fleshed out. And for a listicle, I, w I had a fun time reading through it. Yeah, um, I was very pleased that I did not have to click 
every time to get to the next one. Yes. Um, those will bother me. Um, and I get it from like the business perspective of like, you get a lot of ad revenue from this guy, oh, yeah. but I really don't want to do this. But I think you hit on the one that I really liked right above it, which is liches retain all of their memories. Yeah. Which is, I think it makes sense, but like really having it spelled out is pun intended <laughs> spelled out is really helpful because they also framed it in a way that I never had in that, like there is no emotional maturity at the point that they become a lich. Yeah. Which I'm like, Oh, that's so interesting. Cause like even your idea about the couple is like whatever, whatever state they were in when they became liches per this, mm-hmm. that's just their permanent state of being. Right. I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The lack of ability to further emotionally mature or I- anything like that is just kind of I-, I guess it's kind of what makes them a great uh, enemy idea. Like, you know, they are set in their ways. They are stagnant for more or less of a better term. I'm not even saying that phrase right, but whatever. Nope, it works. You get what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, the fact that, you know, they won't Maybe they get like one of the things they talk about is like from a lost elven love. And it's like they lived so long and they did have love. And then like, you know, maybe maybe it was like a human trying to attain a longer life to be with them, but damning themselves in the process and losing what they've lost. And just that whole idea of not being able to move past it, not being able to uh, flesh out the idea of it. It's like it's almost weird to think that uh, therapy wouldn't work for a lich. Yeah. Yeah if you want to put it that way. But um, so that constant turmoil, that constant just uh, swirling negative feeling of not being able to move past something or let something go, uh, I can only imagine why they become so just so deranged or so mad over the course of their undead life. Well, yeah, and you're just you're forced to dwell in those moments. But then Mm -hmm. it goes back to what you had said is like the reason you end up with good liches is by chance this person like takes that final step and they're good they're okay like they, they kind of got their act together and then they permanently will at that point. yeah oh, which that's so yeah good. luckily my players won't listen to this but i do oh will they uh <laughs> oh well um <laughs> so the one of them wants to become a lich mm-hmm and we've started down that road and like this article like really helped me think through the ideas of having them not be inherently evil i mean the most interesting aspect that i hadn't really thought of was good evil or indifferent per this you still need to consume souls to sustain yourself right yeah and that's a that's an interesting aspect of that even if you are a, a a good lich you know still having to claim a soul I don't know that 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 toes a line for sure, and uh, you know I don't know how they how it's justified finding the way to justify that. I mean, what do you think? What do you think a good lich's justification would be for doing something so? I mean, terrible. You're taking somebody's soul; they're not able to experience any kind of afterlife or anything like that. It's just gone. Like, what do you think a justification for that would be? Yeah, and so I start to think about like back to descent into Avernus. Once you start turning souls into coins and start going through like that thing, where mm-hmm. do you start to justify it because it becomes so so menial, like it's just currency. So yeah. then it's just souls. I think like you're justifying it that way, or trying to justify through like bad souls. 
like in figuring uh, out okay. like a, a methodology of that or lost souls. Like if they were already lost or already being tortured or something like that, then yeah, nothing is better than that. That's true. I could easily see some kind of, uh, you know, as far as like the good, the idea of like a good player or a good uh, character seeking that kind of immortality or that kind of life to be able to do something. I was before bombarded. I was running a campaign with uh, with the bards and a couple other friends, and I had this idea of, uh, and I know it's out there, a chronomancer. And it's a you know this chronomancer decided to become a lich because down the line it wanted to send players back in time to stop like the evil king who you know set off this catalyst of events that led to the current state of things. So it's kind of like go back in time. Would you kill this person younger to be able to stop all this bad mm-hmm. stuff from happening? Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, like you know, I could easily see a you know like a high captain or somebody like high up in like a government organization getting selected to be a lich and they are housed in the dungeons or in the in the prisons and that is how they are feeding this lich who is maintaining some kind of organization within the kingdom just through just by being around and being able to utilize the intense magics that they've been able to learn and they're just fed by you know convicts and you know people who are set to death yeah and i mean you could, that's, I, I think that borders like you're really, you're really towing the line, not even lawful neutral, but lawful good to lawful evil. It's like, yeah, still, yeah. like it all comes down to justification. I also think of like in that scenario of partial in like walking that road of like, do they find a way to like partially take a soul rather gotcha. than like take the whole thing what does that even mean like is that even possible um you know i would probably <laughs> lean towards that way if my player didn't necessarily want to become inherently evil or had moral compunctions about that of like investing enough time and effort to find out like in the prison like like a certain amount comes out for however long your sentence is ah i like that a lot and so like like and then i think like the whole prison is like their phylactery at that point oh wow that is awesome. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, <gasps> it gives a whole new meaning to death row. You Boom. did it, man. I got you. you. did okay, it. Cool. So that was today's episode. No, <laughs> <laughs> we can't, we can't go anywhere from here. So what we can go though, is my favorite one is what were your thoughts on number six? Liches can happen accidentally. I think that creates the opportunity for for DMs as storytellers to weave a fantastic narrative about this just iconic hero throughout time. They are, you know, time immemorial, the hero of legend. And maybe nobody knows what happened to them. They just disappeared. And lo and behold, they, you know, they've been continuing and sustaining their life, just like they're saying in here uh, under this point where it's like they've used life-prolonging magic and unwittingly, unknowing, they went into that transformation. I, I think I think it's a valid and very, a very ripe fruit for uh, for storytelling and narrative. And even if you could find a way to where like, you know, because if, if we go with the idea of they maintain their memories and they don't grow anymore emotionally... If they accidentally become it at the peak of being like the good guy, then what does that mean overall? Like, you know, maybe they wind up being the 
the the person high up in the shadow organization that's hiring hiring your players. Uh, it's like once you get to meet like the boss, it's like, oh yeah, no, we've been hunting a lich, but you've also been working for one too. So like now that you know what you're going up against and who you're working for, how are you as a player going to balance that out? Like, mm. regardless, like you know what it takes to maintain being a lich because likely you've learned about it in hunting the one that you've been hired to hunt. So where the, you get into the moral quandary there, and then it's like, well, do we do we keep doing this? I mean, yeah, we got to stop this one, but what's what's to say that you know this isn't any any worse or yeah, you know, and that that's when it falls to the DM to really paint that picture for the players. Yeah, because what's that cascading effect once they become a lich? Also, to throw it out there, so you mentioned life prolonging magic, and I need to give credit where credit is due. So this article we're reading is like I said from the gamer. Written mm-hmm. by Chris Stomberg, who, if you click on that, links back to a previous article that he wrote, 15 Best Warlock Invocations Ranked. I just am a huge fan that he's linking back to his own work. Like, that's yeah. big. Like, hey, you like this? Here's some more. But that cascading effect is actually the number one. Liches can become gods. Yeah. Like, oh, what if that's what you set in motion? Yeah. No, I mean, that's a good point. And like... What is that God going to do within the paragon of the gods of your world? And how does that affect the balance? Like, what what do they become the God of? You know, if they were a paladin who accidentally became a uh, became a lich, do they start pulling away the power of, you know, your God of life or your God of, you know, health? Like there's there's going to be an imbalance there. You know, once they get to that point, you could easily say, like, if you have a paladin that follows this one God, God's like, yo, I'm having an issue like getting getting you the powers you need. Like you figure out something with your players. You sit down, talk about something, under explain the setting, of course, session zero kind of thing, and explain to them like, hey, this is going to be happening, and maybe there will be a percentile chance that your magic might not work, and it's because of this like or this unknown issue that will present itself in due time. Oh, so good. Yeah, do they unseat someone? Are they able to become? their own portfolio are they oh, it's just yeah like you said that like that rising power like is there are there cults now to them mm-hmm. i'm just trying to think of like that law lo- the longer tail on that of like having people enter the like a new campaign a hundred years from the old one even 20 who knows like it doesn't oh, take yeah. a long time i mean if i can go from level one to 20 in a week who knows what can happen in two <laughs> years but the idea of like seeing echoes of their old like a party member, like again, thinking about what if it was one of the party, right? And like, there's a like this cult to so and so. No, I mean, uh, you know, if you like, if your player, for instance, uh, really decides to go down that line, and your next campaign, you can move move time forward so much that it's like, okay, yeah, they achieved it, and that's the end of the story as far as you know. And then, you know, it's up to the player to be okay with, like, relinquishing that, you know, the ability of crafting the story for their character and handing it over to you, to you, the DM. Or maybe your player wants to take over as the DM and say, hey, now that your player is this, what are you going to do with it? And how can you write a story for uh, for other people at the table? More importantly, me, the last DM who wants a chance outside of the outside (laughs) from behind the screen. Uh I'm just encouraging players to think about taking the opportunity and jumping behind that screen. You should yeah. do it if you haven't. I recommend it. It's fun. Yeah. We'll see if I can get to the tail end of this one if one of my younger players is now 
ready to take on that mantle because I know he's been running games for his own group of friends. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's ready to step up. I mean, his dad and his uncle are at the table, so he may never say yes. So, we'll see. Ah, okay. Well, let's hope so. But you know, it, again, it's all about being comfortable at the table and doing what you're doing, what you're feeling, having fun with it. And so, are you ready? So, I think for our last one, we'll address what I think is the funniest statement: "A great, a lich's greatest ally is time." Where if they don't like what's happening, they'll just be like, "Ah, oh, whatevs. I'll just hang out over here for a hundred years." Right. <laughs> no, it's it's great. I mean, I finished up. Uh, I finished up Tomb of Annihilation earlier this year. Which man, that that's the first Oof. written module I've played, run, and finished. Oh, nice. Yeah, everything else I've done over the course of playing D anD D has been like homebrew or small one offs and stuff like that. So that was a that was a through and through adventure for sure. Uh, I think it took us like two and a half years, if I'm remembering correctly. But yeah, no. At the end of that, it's just like that's pretty much what it sums up to. It's like, listen, your players might beat a Sarak, and that's okay because he's not really dead, and he can just wait, and he'll yep. torment their you know their uh, relatives down the line and everything. So you don't have to worry about it. He'll be back, and he'll make it worse for their kids, kids, kids. Yeah, it's so good. Okay, with that, we've done it so far. And if you liked what you heard, you can go over to your podcatcher of choice. Maybe your podcatcher is a lich. That's why they can permanently catch pods. And you can leave us a review. Of course, if you want to really pay your gym dues, go find someone. Tell them about the podcast. That is by far and away the always the best method for getting us more listeners and all of that. Um, and of course, if you want to email us, you can do so at dmnastics at gmail.com. Head over to Twitter where you can follow us at dmnastics, me at Jotmoniac, and... And me, Kyle, at at Boognish underscore theory, B-O-O-G-N-I-S-H underscore theory. And for everything else on the network, blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. We'll skip over this next line because I've got a plan. Because there's no need to work out alone. So let's check out these amazing lifting partners. It's the DMNastic Gym and you're lifting the thing, but sometimes you need help. It's your lifting partner. And so for today's lifting partners, I'm just going to make you tell me about Bombarded. I already know everything, but tell me, uh, tell us, me and the listeners about all of the awesome work that you're doing at Bombarded or at BombardedCast.com. Yeah. On all the social medias at BombardedCast, hashtag BardCast. Uh, no, we're, we're uh, you know, we've been doing this. I think we had our fourth birthday just last August and uh, it's wild. It's gone this, I mean, I'm not surprised it's gone this long because it's a D&D game and it's a homebrew campaign. And God, I had no idea what the end game looked like whenever I started it off. And I'm still, you know, even though like I had an idea of the overarching story and where I wanted it to go. And, you know, that, of course, usually never pans out because your players are going to do things that you just can't expect. Um, but I, I think the thing that really uh, that I'm proud of is just having made this with people I love and care about, and also the music that we've made. If you're not familiar, we are a band out of Dallas-Fort Worth. We've been playing music together locally uh, since 2009, as when I first joined up with Lindby, which is the band that does Bombarded. So it's like Lindby presents Bombarded, but really we're Bombarded because that is more popular than Lindby. It's a weird <laughs> thing, but we're yeah. happy to have it that way because um, it's given us the opportunity to make music in a new and exciting way that ties into the narrative of the overall story. And the way we write that music is by rolling dice that have chords on them. Oh, it's so good. Tell it's, me more. 
it's a lot of fun. So we, you know, we each we each roll a chord dice. We have our our beginning chord or the tonic chord of the key that we're in. We roll pretty much for everything. We roll for the drums. We roll for the chord or the chords. We roll for the key of the song. We even have worked up like you know we go through and we'll do little theory lessons to explain different uh you know different concepts that we implement into the story. Like if the bards learn something new, like you have your normal chords that are built out of like three notes, and then you can have seventh chords that have a fourth note and at a certain point like i think it's like episode seven or eight they learn about seventh chords and you know they can add that in it's like okay cool well we can start you know rolling an extra dice or you know keeping this in mind and then we we just continue to flesh out the idea and kind of give you these musical lessons so that we can add in more interesting aspects of what we learned uh in school for music I mean, that's fun in and of itself, like the idea of writing that way, very aleatoric, very much in the nature of the randomness of Dungeons and Dragons and what it can be. But being able to tie it to a narrative and really keeping that that strict aspect of it uh, is is a lot of fun. And I think it adds something something different that you might not get, you know, with just with just somebody like, you know, performing at a table. I mean, we perform our songs as well, like our we perform our magic songs as well. Like if they play a bard, a, a bard spell, they're playing something, you know. And usually that's that's not anything custom other than just taking like a, a well-known song and messing with the words and making like oh, kind of yeah. a parody of it. But we have a lot of fun with it, and it's just been a it's been a delight. I mean, we've I think we're getting close to releasing episode seventy eight. I think we just released seventy seven. But I mean, like. Considering one shots and the stuff that we've written for Patreon as well. Oh yeah. Uh, you know we have a whole Patreon where we write a, we do a relay song every month where we literally it's like a game of telephone but with music. So we have to like take what the last person did and then add on to it, and then the next person adds on to it. And we add like one or two things. the co- the The topic is usually the topic every time is figured out by rolling dice to see which one of our patrons submitted a a subject for us to write the song about. So some of them get real weird. And I didn't realize until recently that uh, one of our earlier songs was Prompocalypse, which I found out was uh, actually referencing um, Dimension 20, Fantasy High School Season 1. So I I, I watched that over this past year, and uh, but we wrote that back in 2020, early 2020. So I had no idea what Prompocalypse was referring to. (laughs) So it's this really weird song and it's more like a story than it is a song. Just talking about like, oh, I'm going to prom. It's going to be great. Oh no, things are going bad. But all in all, like, I mean, how prolific we've been able to be doing this podcast as far as songwriters. I think we're well over a hundred songs written in the past four years, which for Lindby, like <laughs> we we took four years to put out a, one album with like less than ten songs on it, so the the difference is staggering, and uh, it's been too much fun. And in fact, I don't know once you know we're not sure what we're gonna do after the after the first season or the first campaign's over. We're not really sure. We're kind of we're definitely gonna be taking a break because it has been just hit the ground running since day one, especially for Spurrier and Goodrich, because Goodrich with the editing and production, Spurrier with the background music, Ooh. they do it all. Like yeah. I, I think I've said it before, it's interesting and odd at the same time to be a DM and feel like you are doing not all the work. So Yeah. That is that is definitely weird. Also, I would I this is so nail on the head that if I didn't say it, it will plague me. 
but it is truly that the podcast is bardic inspiration for you and making more music. It is. Because in a lot of ways, like I always think about, so let's contextualize. So I've played drums for like 20 years. Yep. And the idea of like making your own stuff is very difficult. But it's like, oh no, but like I have to make it about this exact moment because like mm-hmm. that's where we are. And like just like the level of joy because it's just like, well, duh, I know exactly what we're going to sing about. Like we're going to sing about like we're here at this dwarven funeral. Um, and so obviously we'll put it in a minor instead of a major. And also the amount that I've learned because my thing is for me as a drummer, I'm like, if you played the wrong note and I know you <laughs> screwed up real yeah. bad. <laughs> I'm here to count. I'm not here to play right. notes. Just tell me how high I'm counting and let's go. So yeah, I'm very, as you can tell, I'm very much. <laughs> That's okay. As a bass player, you we're, we're there with each other. It's good. I mean, like I just yep. got to hold down a root note for more or less and then you add in a splash of things here and there and hope that it matches up with what you're doing. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just like over here staring at feet and just trying to watch. I'm like, oh, no. like okay, <laughs> here we go. But yeah, I just, I love what you guys do. Thank you. Um, I am I, I'm totally caught up. So I knew you were on 77, but I will just keep listening as long as you keep making it. We'll do our best to keep the things rolling. I know we're getting close to that end game. And uh, as a DM, it's it's exciting and also a little terrifying to be at that point because I'm starting to think about like, you know, there's so many things that you want to do over the course of a campaign. There's so many aspects of character backstory or side story that you want to that you want to explore. And, you know, it's making a podcast and doing a, you know, an actual play is so starkly different from just playing D&D at a table with your friends because you're trying to weave together a narrative and make it appealing and interesting to the listener. That's something that took me a while to get used to. I believe the one of the last times I said, you know, I have redone my style of writing for the show like three or four times over the last few years. And I'm still evolving how I approach it and how I do it, you know, especially keeping organized and making sure I'm on task to be prepared to record the next episode. I started using like a project management software online that helps me just kind of like, it's like, okay, here's what I need to be ready for the next episode. Here's my timeline. And let's, let's move things from like backlog to in progress and then review, then edit. And, you know, that's something I only implemented recently. And luckily it has been a boon to me because I was like, you know, I, I would sit around at a mill trying to get an episode crafted and making sure I'm like, okay, well, if I do this, I need to be ready to talk about this. And more often than not, I was over preparing for episodes, which isn't terrible. It just means I've got to put it in the next one. But doing this the last couple of episodes, I feel like I've stuck the landing more than I ever have doing it that way. You have, and with the power of editing, you'll always sound like <laughs> It's true. Goodrich does a great job making me sound very confident. And, yes. uh, you know, as as confident as I feel sometimes going in, those players are just going to throw wrenches at you, and you're going to have to learn how to dodge them or learn how to deal with the hits because it's just, you know, something out of left field's bound to pop up. And I would be remiss if I didn't say, if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge, dodge a ball. <laughs> so... With that, though, we're going to head out of the gym or turn out the lights and head out of the gym. 
Well, before we go, I want to implore you, the listener, to join the forums, join that Discord, head on over to Twitter and anywhere else you can find us and take part in these challenges, exercises, and other amazing conversations that are being had. You are going to get more out of your, you're going to get more gains the more you delve into this podcast and into this community. I guarantee it. And to do that, head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some deonastics. So your players don't ask. Do you even lift? <laughs>